Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. Joining us now, Council President Daryl Clark. Um, Good morning. Uh, Council President, how are you? I'm fine. Good morning. How are you, Solomon? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So Thursday was, was your last session. Yes. Okay. So you're retiring. Yes. What what brought you to that decision? Well, I think that, you know, I've, I've given pretty much my adult life uh, to public service in the city of Philadelphia in one building, uh, i.e. City Hall. And I think it was time to do something different. Um, had a, a productive, um, from my perspective, uh, opportunity, uh, the most privileged opportunity that one can have in public service, uh, working with some awesome people over time. And uh, I thought it was just time to go ahead and do something different with my life. Um, feel comfortable that, you know, the people that will succeed me uh, will more more than capable to be able to carry on a, all of the work that, that we've been working on over the last couple of, couple of years, in particular since COVID. So it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to get into politics in the first place? Um. I actually got talked into running for a committee person. Um, you know, it's this small division within the, the city of Philadelphia by an elder, elderly gentleman um, who basically told me that I always had a lot to say about everything and <laughs> that I should run for committee person. And I ended up running and I won. And, and then I got engaged with ward um, politics and decided to run for war leader because uh, Mr. Nix at the time, uh, who was the war leader at the time, decided that he didn't like my politics and, you know, I ended up running against him and uh, I won and, and it just kind of took off from there. Uh, mm. Ultimately ended up getting a job with the city of Philadelphia working for John Street. And uh, now, uh, lo and behold, many years later, uh, ended up being the council president in the city of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been a genuine, I mean, an extreme privilege. Mm. So tell us about ward politics. We have a system where you have uh, committee people, you have ward leaders, and all of the wards uh, represent different areas of the city. What's what's different about that that basic level of politics in the city of Philadelphia? Yeah, well, the city is uh, in, put in subdivisions. Um, it's a sense of 69 wards in the city of Philadelphia. Each ward has a series of divisions within that ward. I, I happened to be in the 32nd ward at the time. Um, there actually was uh, 32 divisions in that particular ward. Um, it varies from location to location. Uh, there was always a, the larger wards. Uh, at that time when I initially ran, uh, 32nd was one of them, and that's where the quote-unquote political strength laid um, up in the Northwest. It was the 50th ward. Um, out in West Philadelphia, the 52nd Ward, the 39th in South Philly. And those those particular wards tend to have significant influence during the election. So needless to say, they got the attention of most of the elected officials uh, um, in various levels, be it state, federal, uh, or local. Um, and it was the nitty-gritty of the city of Philadelphia's politics. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, City of Philadelphia is probably the last of the stronghold as it relates to ward politics. Most cities have gotten away from that. Uh, Chicago was that way, kind of getting away from that. But 
the city of Philadelphia's Democratic City Committee continues to be an influential uh, political um, political uh, opportunity in the city of Philadelphia. Most people seek that endorsement uh, when it comes time to run for office. Mm-hmm. A lot of people vote based on what uh, what they get when they walk into the, the voting booth, and those, of course, decide about awards, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually um, slowly but surely changing uh, since we have mail-in voting. Mm-hmm. And you've seen, I think it's probably getting closer to 25% of the people in the city of Philadelphia taking advantage of early voting. Mm-hmm. And you see it trending that way. So I suspect in 10 years from now, uh, it will be m- a minimal number of people that will be voting uh, at the polling places. So um, it will change. It will evolve. I think it will lessen the, the, the strength of wards. And, and I think that there will, there's a lot of discussion going on about how war leaders and committee people can be engaged in the political process with this new mail-in voting system. Hmm. That's an interesting thing, because I think a lot of people do take advantage of, of mail-in voting, especially some of our older voters. You know, they can take their time. They can uh, ask advice. Uh, you know, I know I get some calls from some relatives about uh about, you know, who I think they should vote for and, and why, et cetera. And so um, I think that's interesting. So so how do you see it evolving? What do you think is going to happen as, as we move forward? Well, I think that I think that ultimately um, the current style of, of voting will be altered considerably. Um, I think the mailing voting, uh, as you say, um, particularly younger people and people that uh, are in Facilities. I've noticed that um, mm-hmm. senior citizen homes, people are starting to go in and have educational forms to talk to people about how you do mail-in voting mm-hmm. and then assisting them to a degree because you got to be careful. You're not right. supposed to influence how those people vote. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can talk about the process and people can apply for their mailing ballot, get it back. Um, there are people that will help the individuals fill it out. I'm, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or bad thing, but if the person needs help, they should be able to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just see a, a, an evolving situation, and I think ultimately it will primarily be way, a pretty significant majority of people will be utilizing mail-in voting. Mm-hmm. Now, as you look back over your, your own political career, What's the moment for you that uh, that signifies your biggest achievement politically? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess politically um, and, and essentially you have to merge it with, you know, professionally also, because politically I was elected um, to be the council president of the city of Philadelphia, but also I, I, I view that as a significant professional achievement because it's a part of my job. It's a part of what I've been over the last uh, decade or so. Um, that was from, for me, cause I like being a legislator as opposed to being in the executive branch. Uh, for me was the, 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 the top of the food chain from my world. Um, and some people say, why didn't you run for mayor? You know, why didn't it just never got to a point where I 
felt it in my gut to run for mayor. I like the legislative process because it requires that you build consensus around issues. Uh, you must get nine votes or 12 votes, depending on the type of legislation that you're going to pass. And that whole process of being able to have to sit down with individuals and getting people on board or being a part of the process that allows people to get on board um, is something that I really enjoyed. And I think ultimately when we do pass that legislation, um, more often than not, a good product comes out of result of that process. Mm. So you came up under um, under John Street in, in city council. You know, th- there were a lot of people who, who loved John Street. There were a lot of people who did not. Mm. What did you learn from from John Street? Hard work. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was a person that worked extremely hard seven days a week early in the morning sometimes too early for me mm-hmm. but that was his style and worked late at night and that he didn't he required that of all of the individuals that worked for him uh we would literally uh, being in the morning we go out in the street during the course of the day we we started out early in that process we used to have these meetings out in the street uh these night meetings we do four meetings uh, four to five meetings in the evening out in the blocks and really touching base with the constituents so um, hard work was the, the, the key word that I could say that I learned from him. Mm-hmm. So he had a couple of initiatives. One of them was was the Neighborhood Transformation Initiative. Um, that kind of laid the groundwork for, for some of the um, development that we see now, development that, you know, is is booming uh, in Philadelphia even now. What, what did you what did you think about the Neighborhood Transformation Initiative and 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 how it affected communities. Yeah, the Neighborhood Transformation Initiative uh, at that time was the initial uh, strategy to have a significant investment in neighborhoods. You know, um, during the course of the the last several, couple of decades, and actually three decades, uh, early on it was this issue about um, center city. The focus was around center city because that's where the most significant uh, level of the jobs were so there was this push particularly during the Edwin Dell years and prior to that and it was successful in that uh, and it created an environment that was conducive for investments on on the economic front um, also a significant number of residents were built down there and we created a, a, an environment in the city of Philadelphia in our center city uh, that was um, a, a significant economic engine but at the end of the day, um, the, the money from the federal government and others started to decline. So uh, uh, the administration, the street administration, ended up coming up with a strategy to borrow $300 million. Mm-hmm. It actually um, um, got slowed down somewhat with Mayor Nutter came in, and Mayor Nutter basically suspended all work that had been done by the street administration at that time and, and shut all that development opportunity down. Uh, we... The current uh, group of members, um, council and the executive branch, uh, we decided to, to a large degree, follow up on a lot of that by uh, putting in place the Neighborhood Preservation Initiative, which is the $400 million borrowing that we've done. And we started a couple of years ago. And you're starting to see a significant amount of development out in neighborhoods. The Transformation Initiative was essentially a starting point. Uh, we got rid of. Uh, vacant lots to 
um, dilapidated buildings with a significant level of demolition taking place. Um, we were acquiring properties as a result of that demolition and preparing it for ultimately uh, some sort of development, be it residential or economic development, uh, commercial properties. So I was really, really, really interested and, and proud to be a, a small part of that at the time. Mm-hmm. So... You know, a number of things have, have happened. I worked in city council for a little bit, and so I've kind of watched and, and saw some of this stuff, man. I've seen people go to jail. Um, I've seen people, you know, leave council and, and become mayor. Jim Kenney, uh, Mike Nutter, John Street. Um, you know, what What did you, and, and watching all of this stuff happen between people going to jail and, and then people, you know, climbing politically, you know, as you're watching this stuff, what are you what are you learning? Um, I'm learning not to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good thing. <laughs> no, no, I mean something. You know, I I think that you get get these opportunities, and one again, I say it's the, it's the best opportunity one can have to be in public service. Um, bottom line is. You know, you always have to practice the appropriate judgment from time to time. Um, but there are people that will approach you. There are things that, if you're not careful, you may make a mistake. Because I don't think most of the individuals that have, that have had an intersection with the uh, federal government on the, the criminal justice side um, never had any intentions on creating a problem for themselves. Um, but every now and then it happens. Um Fortunately, uh, it's from my perspective, and I know it seems like it's a lot because, but it's always highlighted, particularly in the press when there's a problem with someone. Mm-hmm. But it's few and far between, um, and we have made um, certain aspects of what we do and require certain things within our government. You know, created the ethics board. We literally have to go to training twice a twice a year. Um, to find out what you shouldn't should and shouldn't do. It's a requirement. Uh, we change certain laws um, internally within council uh, to have disclosure uh, for outside activity. Um, so there are a number of things, but at the end of the day, um, there from time to time there are people that do things that they know they shouldn't be doing, and mm-hmm. invariably they're going to end up having that intersection with the folks down at six and six and market. Mm-hmm. So. I, Go ahead. No, I said, i.e., the federal government. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one one of the things that um, I think has been unusual, one of the things I've I've never seen, I don't think any of us have ever seen anything like it, uh, was the COVID pandemic. The COVID pandemic hit, a lot of things changed. Um, You went through it along with the rest of us. What changed politically and in your view, what what is different on the other side of it in terms of how the city operates, both politically and just for everyday people? Yeah, yeah, that was a, um, as everyone knows worldwide, uh, mm-hmm. the most significant challenge that we've had um, in decades. Um, 
I can recall the first day that we were told that it was literally going to be a significant health issue for us. We were actually being introduced to the then police commissioner, Daniel Outlaw, and we got a phone call. And some people didn't know quite what COVID was. And folks said, look, this thing is real. It's going to be very aggressive in terms of its transmission. And we literally shut the city down, uh, told everybody to go home. We thought it was going to be for no more than two or three weeks, but we shut the city down for a um, couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. So it created an environment where we had to work remotely, um, with limits on what we could and couldn't do, the financial um, downfall um, recession uh, hit came and took place. Uh, was one of the most challenging times in government that I can personally say uh, in terms of being responsible for doing budgets. Um, but we got through it. And, you know, one of the things I do like to say that I know my, my, my friend and colleague, Mayor Kenner, Mayor Kenny, because he's the mayor, he gets the most of the flack as it relates to, you know, how things are going in the city. Um, it was very difficult to run the city of Philadelphia through that time. And mm-hmm. we're still trying to recover in the aftermath. The supply chain is still the problem in terms of getting goods and services. Being able to get people to come to work um, is still a challenge. You know, everybody went remote. And to this day, people still don't want to come in the building and work. And, and mm-hmm. it creates uh, a, a difference in terms of how you're able to conduct your business. Uh, but we got through it, and we got through it uh, maintaining our fiscal health. We had minimal layoffs, uh, and we moved forward. Um, unlike a lot of cities, we invested in our city at that time as opposed to pulling back and being extremely cautious. We went out and we borrowed $400 million in investment in neighborhoods, and we created a fund um, to target those areas where that were hardest hit by COVID. And it actually accelerated our recovery. And we're sitting here now with a significant fund balance in, in the foreseeable next couple of years. We'll have a healthy uh, fiscal situation in the city of Philadelphia. But it was devastating and it was a significant challenge. But uh, we got through it and I'm happy to have been a part of that recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was it was difficult for everyone. Mm-hmm. So what's next for you? Um. Well, we're going to finish up this next couple of weeks, um, start the inaugural process on the stage and, and hand, the, hand the gavel over to, uh, to Councilman Kenyatta uh, Johnson and I'll go sit down on the stage and then take a couple of weeks off and kind of take a deep breath. Um, um, I have been nominated by the governor uh, to be on the Pennsylvania State Liquor Control Board Um I have to see the confirmation process will be next month. Um, one of the reasons that I had an interest in that had to do with the um, stop and goes and loosens bars uh, in the city of Philadelphia. But I found out that it's much more than that is a $3 billion uh, uh, department, uh, the largest uh, purchaser and um retailer uh, for wine and spirits. Um, but the thing that I like about it, as I talk to, people across the state, particularly state senators, as a result of the confirmation process, it's a it's an economic engine. It puts more than $800 million in the state's general fund. It pays $60 million to the state police, and it just goes on and on. So it's a way of having revenue to run the government without sticking your hands in the taxpayer's pocket, mm-hmm. i.e. taxing people. 
uh, it's a purchase of choice. Uh, that choice is tax. So I think it's a way to get money um, to make sure that, you know, we can run our government in any way. I, I probably, if I'm successful, uh, would like to see a little more aggressive approach because in some neighborhoods, uh, in some places across the state and city, um, we have significant alcohol abuse and uh, people, you know, having some sicknesses because that's what it ultimately ends up being. Um, I like to see a little more aggressive approach on prevention. Um, and I think that uh, that agency can do a lot uh, for the, the state, the number of jobs, the number of locations, um, the stores, so to speak, are AAA tenants. I think that they can be in a position to help on the commercial retail level. Um, I can recall one in particular at 31st in, uh, in my district, and at 31st in uh, Gerard, uh, we were trying to build a small mall mm-hmm. with an Aldi's there, but the Aldi's, uh, the rent associated with the Aldi supermarket wasn't enough to get the deal done. And we were able to get a wine and spirit store at that time, and now we have a small mall because it was a good tenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of things that, that interest me. Um, so um, that'll be one, but I'll look to do some other local um, support, either working with some nonprofits. I kind of want to center around young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, given the responsibility that I had as a council president, I didn't have enough time to really get into the nitty-gritty yeah. of dealing with a lot of the programs around young people because we do need, they do need some real direction. Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll probably end up doing something like that. All right. All right. Well, that is Daryl Clark. He is council president of the city of Philadelphia. He's going to be retiring and moving on, I want to thank you for, uh, first of all, your, your career and uh, the uh, the work that you've done on behalf of the city of Philadelphia. And I want to thank you for joining us this morning on WURD. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 